0: He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. The Word of God for us. The people of God. Thanks be to God. In her book that I was reading a couple of weeks ago when I was preparing for this sermon, because I was off for a couple of weeks, thank you for that. Everybody left me alone. I appreciate that. Even most of the fish left me alone. I didn't appreciate that part. But in a book called The Undoing of Death, Fleming Rutledge took up a brief kind of shot at Psalm 23, preaching that I have been guilty of once. I've been guilty of this once. She said, The image of sheep going astray is one of creatures who have lost their bearings altogether, who have gone off the path and cannot find their way back. It is customary in sermons to talk about the stupidity of sheep. However, the Bible does not say that sheep are stupid. It says that sheep are lost. Did you hear that, church? Now, I thought about calling Chuck Neal and asking him if that was true. Because Chuck has sheep. But I was kind of afraid that Chuck would say that the sheep are stupid and then this grand vision I had for this sermon would go away. I want us to focus a little bit on lostness. I wonder, have you ever been lost anywhere? Anybody? Yeah. I have heard many sermons on this song. Oh, excuse me, I have not heard many sermons on this song. And that's surprising given how popular it is. And, you know, this was originally a poem, a song that was sung in worship. And it was probably heard a lot even by Jesus. And when I heard the sermons that I did hear, most of them focused on the stupidity of the sheep and what the sheep get if they follow the shepherd. Do you hear that? Now it seems to me that that puts the focus on the wrong thing. If our focus is on the things that we get from Jesus, then our focus can't be on Jesus. As I heard it said in another place, if we are focused on the things on the Master's table, then our focus is not on the Master. And I was thinking about that and how I have used this psalm and I realized that Rutledge may be right that sheep may still be stupid, but we're better off hearing the point of the Bible's use of the metaphor of sheep, which is that sheep without a shepherd wander off the path, they get lost, and then they're subject to all the various chaos that this world would inflict upon them. And if you don't know that the world can inflict chaos upon you, then you're living under a rock somewhere. Man, chaos is this world's favorite thing. Sometimes I feel like our news folks are trying to drum more of it up. But there are passages from the Bible, and I'm going to read three of the more famous ones to you, that deal with the lostness of sheep. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon Him the iniquity of us all. That was Isaiah looking forward to the Messiah, but the initial problem he sees in his people Israel, a people who were called to be the priestly people of God Almighty, is that they had turned not to the ways of God, but to their own ways. I read about one article a week, I feel like, on Facebook and in other places that talk about how the people of the church, how Christians have gone their own way. And I see evidence of that every once in a while in posts on Facebook where Christians demean other people because of their politics or because of the way their teeth look when they smile. And I see a reminder that we are prone to wander. Remember that great old hymn? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the one I love. Without a shepherd, we are lost. In Matthew 9, Jesus is looking over the crowds that have come to hear him. And Matthew says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. It means he was stirred in his bowels, his gut hurt. Because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Harassed and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd, they were lost. And then First Peter 2, you've heard this one before. For you were going astray like sheep, he said. But to this fled- fledgling church, the apostle says, But now you have returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. Man, maybe she's right. The human condition, the basic human condition and the reason that our own thoughts and our own heart's desires can be so dangerous for us is because without Christ we are sheep without a shepherd, prone to wander off and eat anything and get sick and die. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Most often when this psalm is read, somebody's dead. Am I right? Yep. As I've asked people from a certain age group, I won't say what age group, but a certain age group, what, what text do you think so-and-so would have will read at her funeral? Invariably in that age group, Psalm 23 comes up, and there's always this, but, but, but we want you to read the King James, Preacher. Because, like me, they had to memorize it in elementary school. Miss Trumbull came around and said, Next week, y'all all gotta know Psalm twenty three. And I just read it and, read it and read it and read it and read it and read it until I got a little bit of it, right? And we memorized it. But very often the only time we hear this song is when somebody's dead. When somebody has suffered the greatest lostness that there is. When people are confronted with the price of of lostness. It's one of the few verses of Scripture that might be as famous as John 3.16. 23.4 Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I've seen that in movies that had nothing to do with Jesus. Just this week, we've seen The powers of sin and death take a doctor from our community and his grandchildren and his wife and two workers who were there to work on their HVAC system. Just this week, we've seen lostness take the life of a seven-year-old child because his mother cut somebody off on a road that had three cars on it. Just this week, we've seen the power of sin and death to lead us astray and lead us down the path of reckless abandon into the jaws of death. Just this week, we've seen it over and over and we wonder how could someone do that? And if you're like me, you're kind of tired of wondering how could someone do that? But the Bible tells us It's because without Jesus, we are sheep without a shepherd. Prone to wander. To wander into our own deaths and to cause the deaths of others. There is no shortage these days of sin and death or the chaos that comes with them. And I found myself wondering this week with Rodney King, why can't we all just get along? Remember that? Why can't we all just get along? John tells us in his Gospel, he says that the judgment has come. Light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. They are sheep without a shepherd. And so in John's Gospel, Jesus stands one day and says, I am the good shepherd. I am the one who is coming to shepherd Israel out of sin and death. Sorry with y'all, I'm going to put this over here because I have ruined my manuscript. I'm all over the place in my head here. Jesus stood in John's gospel and said, I am the good shepherd, the one promised. By Ezekiel who would come and lead the people out of their astrayness, out of their lostness, to turn their attention back to the feet of God, to turn their attention back to the one who would lead them to green pastures and still waters and all those things that we look here and we say, yeah, I want some of that. I want some green pastures in my life. I want some still waters in my life. I want some stuff out of Jesus. I hear that kind of preaching all the time i got a breakthrough coming. I'm going to get mine. You're going to get yours if we follow Jesus. And oh, we'll just be so happy together. But that's not what any of this is about. What it's about is the One who is coming. It's about the One who will be with us. It's not about what we get from Him. It's about Him. He is the shepherd. I don't want anything else because i got Him. Oh, you might remember one day this rich young ruler... This rich young man. Wouldn't it be nice to be a young man, Pierce, and be rich? Say no. <laughs> Pierce said, that man crazy. Listen, he came to Jesus because he was miserable. Oh, but our society, just tell you, man, if you're rich, you're going to be happy. Accumulate a little more wealth. Get a little more stuff. Pile it up. Pile it up. Pile it up. What's your 401k this week? Pile it on. Get all you can. It doesn't matter what it costs somebody else. Get all you can. Get all you can. And then you won't want anymore. Get your breakthrough. Your fortune's coming. Jesus is going to deliver for you. going to pull you out of the mire of poverty. Oh, somebody should tell that to all the saints of Christ who died poor and on stakes and were burned to death and beheaded for their faith even today. But he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does he mean? Well, there's a clue for us. In the good old Bible, a young man who's wealthy comes to Jesus and he's miserable because he's got everything, but he doesn't have life. He feels dead. And he comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Because even though he owns everything in the county, he knows he can't cheat death. Oh man, you can have money stacked up from here to eternity. You're gonna die. Ricky Bobby was wrong in that movie when he said that he had all this money so he might live longer. Y'all remember that? He was wrong. If you haven't seen that, you need to see it. He had everything but he knew he could not get past death. So he comes to Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Anybody remember what Jesus told him? He told him to sell all that stuff that he thought made him rich. Give it to the poor and follow me. Do you hear that? Jesus looked at him and said, here's a sheep without a what? And who is Jesus? The good what? Y'all see the connection. He comes to Jesus beaten down by His life's circumstances. Even though He's got everything He could ever want. But He knows He's dead. And He says, Jesus, what must I do? And Jesus said, man, just follow Me. There's no doing to it. I will lead you into life. Do you hear that? When Jesus said is follow me, which means Jesus is leading us into life. Life isn't something we can purchase or make a transaction for. We can't even come up here and say, I believe you, Jesus, and get a gold coin that we trade in later for life. We must follow Jesus through the cross, through the ascension, through the resurrection, and into eternity. We must follow Him and no other because all the others want to lead us astray and into the shearer's arms. Into the arms of the One who would prosper Process process us like so many sheep for slaughter. But the rest, the green pastures and the still waters, that's where Jesus is heading. And if we refuse to follow Him, then we refuse to have life. Life. That's what He didn't have. Jesus said one thing. One thing you still lack. A word that relates to want. In many modern translations of this psalm, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack for nothing. I want nothing but Christ. I want that to be true for me, but I know that there are days when I find myself wanting other things. You ever had those kind of days? When you feel led astray by that same pull to darkness that John talks about. John is describing human beings as a bunch of roaches that when God turned the light on, they all ran to the corners of the room. I feel that tug sometimes. That tug of the devil's snare. That tug of sin and death. That tug to want to put myself first, to put my own opinions first, to put my politics or my ideologies first. But dear ones, the only way to life is the path that Jesus is walking. And nobody else in this universe is putting up signs for that path path but Him. It is good for us to read this and say, I like the idea that God is going to lead me me to what I need, to green pastures where I can lay and eat and be happy. It is good. I like the idea that God is going to lead me to still waters, but that's a metaphor for calmness. Because rough waters in Hebrew thought represented chaos. When Jesus walked on the storms, the water of the storm, He was walking above chaos. It was a sign for His Hebrew nation that the One who could still the chaos of this world had come. And it's good for us to want those things, but dear ones, we can't follow Christ because of what He gives us. We follow Christ because of who He is. He's the Good Shepherd. He's the One sent to lead you into life. And all the other paths lead to destruction. Destruction. You might say that's a bold thing for a modern preacher to say because modern preachers are supposed to be faith sensitive and not like accuse other faiths of being counterfeit. Well, you know what? Y'all can just call the bishop and tell him I was preaching Jesus, okay? Here's the thing that I thought about when I was reading this. I'm going to jump into about page six on this manuscript here. <laughs> I remember standing in the Kidron Valley in, Egypt, in Israel. Excuse me. In Israel, the Kidron Valley is between Jerusalem and Mount of Olives. Both pretty famous in the Bible, right? All my Bible scholars out there, you've read, you've read the Bible, you've seen Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. The Garden of Gethsemane right there on the side of the slope of the Mount of Olives. And we were standing there in this little group, the past, other pastors and I on this tour with the, with the, uh, that the Shriners sent me on. And we had a host named Ezra. And Ezra looked at us and said, yea, though I walk through the darkest valley. And he said, this valley is what David was thinking about when he wrote that. The Kidron Valley. That's the valley of the shadow of death that David wrote about, he said. And I looked to the right, and at the edge of the valley there were tombs. One tomb attributed to Absalom and a bunch of other graves just as far as you could see. People who had been buried there over and over and over through the centuries these tombs had been used. And over on the left side against Jerusalem were more tombs. All facing the Mount of Olives. And he said many of these graves were there when Jesus crossed. And suddenly my little brain started ticking. And I said maybe what... David was talking about was that impending death that chases all of us. This people buried in this valley and, the, and it really was deep you know, in a way and in the morning there was this big shadow across it and all that. It really fit the bill. And then the next thing I thought about was Jesus crossing that Kidron Valley over and over and over during Holy Week. On the first Palm Sunday, when He knew that He was going in not to take Pilate's throne from Him, but to be crucified by Pilate, Jesus got on a donkey, a symbol that He was the new King of Israel, and rode across the Kidron Valley through the gate called Beautiful and into Jerusalem under the shadow of death. His own death. He walked the last steps to Jerusalem that day, under the shadow of death. Not just His death, but our death. But knowing that He too was going to be put to death very soon. And I wondered, when Jesus walked across that valley, when He rode across that valley, was He wondering where His body would be laid? And then he left that night and came back the next day. And he left that night and came back the next day. And over and over until finally, until finally he left on a Thursday to cross the valley one more time with his soul grieved unto death, we're told. Because our sin was being laid upon him and because he would be forsaken by the Father. And he crossed that valley dark valley again and went to Gethsemane to be betrayed knowing that the betrayer was coming and that that was where he would meet him and that there he would be put into binds he would be bound with chains or rope or something and led back across that valley one last time into the courts of Caiaphas from the courts of Caiaphas to the court of Pilate, from the court of Pilate to Golgotha, from Golgotha to the tree, and from the tree into the mouth of death and hell itself. Your good shepherd has walked all of those paths of destruction that the devil would lure you into. And he walked them on purpose. He walked into the very mouth of death for you that week. Crossing this valley that David has in mind when he says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And over and over that shadow grew longer on Jesus' life until finally all that was left was shadow. And he breathed his last. But that was on Friday. And as Pastor S.M. Lockridge made famous by saying it, Sunday was coming. What happened on Sunday, church? He rose. Jesus proved to us that this shepherd can walk through the valley of shadow of death into the mouth of death itself, and come out on the other side victorious, as the Lord of the universe, as the Christ of God. Who else you want to follow? Anybody else out there telling you they can lead you through death to the other side? Anybody else out there telling you that they can lead you past the thought of what you might have in this world and into the beauty of knowing that what you have now is eternal life? Anybody else out there claiming to have walked through the mouth of death and come out the other side smelling like Easter lilies? The Good Shepherd, He said. That's who I am. He went before us into the mouth of death and has been raised for us so that we can follow Him into eternal life. That's why we follow Him. Not for all of these other things not for the green pasture, not for the still waters, not for the table that's prepared in face of our enemies, not for our head anointed with oil, not for our cup running over, but because He's worthy of being followed. Because He died and was raised for us. And these, these dear ones, are the fringe benefits. But if we have Him, we lack Nothing. Nothing. If we choose Him over all of the things that this world offers us, we lack nothing. I promise you that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I invite you, dear ones, to stand now to stand now and choose Him